Greetings, everyone. And welcome to those of you online as, as well. This is my 71st time to walk up on this platform to preach to you in these two years. And the first 70 times I came up this side. So this morning, I thought, no, sir, I'm going to come up this side just to, just to shake it up a little bit. Am I looking at the, at the new, uh, the Richard family right here in front of me? Are you the new and improved Nikki? My Nikki doesn't really like that particular one. She doesn't like the young and the old either, but we're so glad to have you folks here. Give them a warm welcome. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. It's difficult for me to, to say thank you to you for these last uh, two years uh, because there's so much I'd like to say, but I think I won't say all that much. To be, to be asked to come back here to serve my home church where I grew up. My family moved here when I was nine. I stayed here. It was part of this church until I was 35 when I went away to seminary to study for the ministry. And since then, only back to visit until two years ago. And to be asked to come back here to serve where my dad was the senior pastor for 17 years. My brother, Connard, was on staff here. Uh, I've got family in this service this morning, blood family to me. My wife has blood family to her in this church. This is home. So my last day as your pastor, but not my last day. One of these days, I'll be sitting right in here among you to hear your new pastor, uh, Pastor Tim. So just thank you. Thank you for this awesome opportunity to serve you these past two years. It's a, it's a rare thing to, to get to do that at, at, uh, at my age, to be asked to come back and serve. I'm probably, well, I am the oldest lead pastor in the Atlantic District of the Wesleyan Church. That'd be right, wouldn't it? Yes, I'm probably the oldest pastor in the world, for goodness sakes, <laughs> still serving. But anyway, what a, what a great privilege to be asked to do that. So today I have a final word for you. A final word. The Apostle Paul used that phrase in his letter to the believers at Ephesus. And two of the Apostle Peter's letters are recorded in the Scripture. And the last paragraph of Peter's second letter has a title over it. And this is the title, Peter's Final Words. So for a few minutes this morning, I'm going to use Peter's final words and Paul's final words to share a final word with you today. I've spoken a lot of words to you these last two years, and my prayer is that some of my words have been encouraging. I, I pray that some of my words have been challenging. Some of them have been convicting. But all of my words, I assure you, have been based on the word. So here we are, my 71st sermon to you as your pastor. Here is a final word, or should I call it final words plural, because I have four of them. And here's the first final word. I exhort you, I encourage you to be joyful. And I'm talking about here a word of praise. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, chapter 3, begins with these words. Whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you joy. Now those 12 words tell us a lot about joy. You see, happiness and joy... Think about this now. Happiness and joy are not the same thing. Happiness 
comes from happenings, pleasant circumstances. So if you get an income tax refund, you're expecting to have to pay, now you've got a refund, that is a happy happening, makes you happy. Uh, son or daughter graduates, that's a happening that makes you happy. Maybe you buy a new car, that makes you happy, unless, of course, it should happen to be a Ford. That wouldn't make anybody happy, I don't think. One little last shot at Fords, anyway. But you, you understand what I'm saying. Something good happens and happiness results. But this joy that I'm speaking to you about this morning comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from happenings. Actually, it's independent of happenings. Says Paul, whatever happens, what's he saying? Happiness or not Good or bad, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you joy. Joy is a gift. Independent of happiness, it's a gift from the Father. Now, isn't it obvious to you that Peter, uh, Paul's joy didn't come from pleasant circumstances because he didn't have many? To this letter to the church at Philippi, where he talks about all this joy, it's written from a prison cell in Rome, and he's expecting to get a death sentence. And yet he's saying, well, let me read it. The letter's full of praise. Expressions of joy bubble to the surface again and again. Let me just drop in two or three places. Chapter 1, Christ is being preached, so I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. Chapter 2, if I am to die for you, I will rejoice. Chapter 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. You see it? It's not in circumstances. Actually, it can, this joy can be in spite of your circumstances. And here is the greatest evidence of all of a joyful person. Chapter 1, verse 21. Hear these words. For, for to me, living is for Christ... And dying is even better? I'm not sure I'm there yet, right? I, I, I think I'm still in the I'd like to go to heaven, but I don't want to die to get there camp. Not quite over there with Paul. Maybe soon. But Paul says, I will rejoice, and I want to share my joy with all of you. He's saying, I want to fill your bucket. That's what he's saying. Back in my school teaching days, right here in this city, in the 70s, I was a member of the Gideons. Maybe you know about the Gideons organization. They used to give Bibles to grade five classes. Don't think they're allowed to do that anymore. But they distribute Bibles. They put them in motels and hotels and so on. One of the Gideons in the camp, the group, we called it a camp, was Lawrence Harvey. And he got cancer during the 70s. And it was bad. And part of his treatment was to travel to Halifax and live in a residence with other cancer patients and undergo daily treatments. In one of our meetings, when he was home between treatments, he came to a camp meeting, and here's what he said, smiling. I praise God that I have cancer. Because I have it, I have met dozens of patients just like me, and I have led some of them to faith in Christ. Isn't that an incredible statement? Isn't that something? By the way, two years later, Lawrence Harvey was with Christ. But he had that joy, and I want you to experience this joy, and you can. It's a gift. Accept the gift. Here's my second of my four final words. Be strong. This is a word about your spiritual health. It was to the Ephesians that Paul said a final word, 
Be strong in the Lord's mighty power. That's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Now, obviously, Paul is speaking of spiritual strength, not physical strength. Some of us who have lived a long time are only too aware that physical strength deteriorates as the years go by. I'm talking about dexterity and agility and energy and endurance. They all begin a gradual decline somewhere around 35 years of age. You understand that. And that's why it's rare to find a pro athlete who's 40-ish who can continue to compete alongside the 20 and 30-year-olds. That's a rare thing to find. And that's why. That's why three weekends ago, the sports world marveled when Phil Mickelson, at 51 years of age, won the PGA Golf Championship. And people marveled at that. Why? Because he's 51. They thought he wouldn't have the endurance. And really, think about it. Golf is not that strenuous a game. (laughs) But you get my point, I'm sure. Physical strength deteriorates over time, but spiritual strength increases over time. Or Paul says it should. Is yours? Is it your bucket getting fuller? Is that a word? Just now. E.T. Meacham was a lifetime Wesleyan pastor who served several of our Wesleyan churches in the state of Alabama. He was known as a guy that was just always up. He served faithfully. He was highly cooperative, always had a positive outlook, even when he was old and his mobility was declining. A friend of mine, Dr. H.C. Wilson, a native cross pointer, was his superintendent back in the 80s, and he used to visit him, him often. On one visit, Meacham said to my friend, take a look, this is what's left of E.T. Meacham. H.C.'s comment about that was this, what was left was a weakened body, but an amazingly strong spirit. That's what I'm talking about. Be strong. Hear me today. Listen to me. It's a choice, you know. Look for what's right, not what's wrong. See the glass half full, not half empty. Focus on the positive possibilities, not the negative possibilities. And I'm talking about in the worship place, in the church, but also in the workplace. Spiritual strength allows us to to rise above stumbling through life's obstacle course and dwell in the land of victorious living. Is that you? Ephesians 6.10, a final word, be strong in the Lord's mighty power. Here's my third final word. Be of one mind. And this is a word to you this morning about unity. A word about unity. And I take you to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Peter's last word. Because he says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. And then he spells out what that means. What does it mean when he tells us to be of one mind? Well, he didn't leave us guessing. Here it is. Number one, be full of sympathy towards each other. that true about you? Number two, Love each other with tender hearts and humble minds. Number three, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. 
and four, instead pay them back, pay them back with a blessing. How are you doing? Does that describe your mind? And then he concludes, Peter does with these words, that is what God wants you to do. And he will bless you for it. And part of that blessing that you receive for being of one mind is the joy that I mentioned already that he gives. Do you have it? I fear sometimes. Maybe because I see it in myself on occasion. Sometimes our natural impulse when someone says unkind things is not to bless them. You think? But maybe to, the urge might be to give them a piece of our mind. Here's one more. This last few weeks, I've been telling some of my dad's favorite stories. Here's another one. My dad was pastoring in Seal Cove, Gramanan, where I was born, in the 40s. And there was a man in the church. His last name was Green. And there were some rumors going around the island about Mr. Green. Unkind things, Peter calls them. And Mr. Green was asked what he was going to do about these things that were being said about him. What do you suppose Mr. Green said? Well, he might have said, tell me who told you that because I want to tell them a thing or two. That's not what Mr. Green said. Here's what he did say. Said it to my dad. I'm going to live in such a way so that no one would believe such a thing about me. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? That's, that's the mind that Peter's talking about here. That mind can be your mind. Now, before we leave this point to my final, final word, are we talking about disciple Peter? You know quite a bit about Peter, don't you? Are we talking about impetuous, uh, impulsive, often blunt, uh, often rash, the guy who often spoke before he thought? Uh, is, is this the Peter we're talking about? Well, matter of fact, it is, but it isn't. This is the new Peter. And the new Peter, meet the new Peter, full of sympathy, loving, tender-hearted, humble-minded Peter. Is that you? You know, there's an old gospel song written about 70 years ago called, it was written by Stuart Hamblin. title of the song was, It Is No Secret. And it has a, there's a line in the song that says this, what he's done for others, he can do it for you. So here's my word to you before we stop talking about Peter. What God did for Peter the apostle, he can do for you. Be of one mind. And here's my final, final word. Here it is. Be a fixer. This is a word about right thinking. And I take you to Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. The words are on the screen. It's Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Here it is. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He's saying, fix your thoughts He's not talking about an occasional glance, but fixed thoughts. He's making the suggestion to us that whatever thoughts you entertain in your head, run them through this grid, and here's the grid. And when you're thinking about it or tempted to think about it, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? And can I add here, say it plainly. Say it simply, 
don't confuse people with what you say. say. Put it out there and say it plainly so they know what you're saying. One of my favorite guys to uh, read after, f- former New York Yankee catcher from way back in the 1970s, Yogi Berra. Maybe you know the name. He, people love to interview him because he always said things that had them scratching their head. They were amused by him. Here's some of the things he's, confusing things he said. It gets late really early out there. It's, uh, it, I looked like this when I was young and I still do. Or how about this? Someone's got to win and someone's got to lose and that was us. Or how about this one? It was a once in a lifetime opportunity and I've had a couple of those. Well, Barra was always saying things that confused people. And, I, and what I'm saying this morning, this is a call to right thinking. Thinking that doesn't thrive on the sensational or fuel the gossip crowd or search for a problem. Thinking that does not assume the worst ever. Thinking that does not suspect a person's motive when you see their behavior. Thinking that does not jump to conclusions. Like the pharmacist. Fellow walks into the pharmacy, walks up to him and says, do you have, do you have something for the hiccups? And the pharmacist suddenly let out this piercing, blood-curdling scream. And the guy stepped back from the counter after he gained his composure and said, I, I need something for the hiccups. And the pharmacist leaned over and said, you don't have the hiccups now, do you? The father says, well, I never did. My wife out in the car has the, has, has the hiccups. Don't, don't jump to conclusions. In our families, here's a final word for you. In our families, in our church, with our new pastor, new pastors and their families, please dwell on the true and the honorable and the right and the pure and the lovely and the admirable. Be a fixer. Be a right thinker. So here's my final word. Be joyful. Be strong. Be of one mind. Be a fixer. I have some pictures here for you. A deer entered a small Colorado store and uh, walked right in. And uh, the owner saw the deer come in. It looked like the deer maybe was shopping for sunglasses or something, I guess, here. Anyway, the owner of the store gave the deer a cookie, and the deer left. Thirty minutes later, the deer was back with family and friends. (laughs) Now, I ask you this morning, isn't that a terrific picture of a healthy church? Isn't it? People come in. People come in, and they get a taste of what we're all about. They bump into you. They meet you, and they find you to be joyful and strong and of one mind, and you're a fixer, and they go home. And the next time they come, they bring family, and they bring friends. That's Cross Point Church that I see in the days ahead. Father, I pray, fill our buckets, Father. We have them turned up. Let us be a joyful people, strong, of one mind. Let us be fixers to the glory of God so that others will see. We'll see. 
We'll see our lives. We'll see how we speak and how we think and how we act and how we love. Drawn to us, yes, that would be a good thing, but ultimately drawn to you that they might become followers of yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor John, if you would remain here just for a moment in Willow Ann, if I could ask you to come and join this man. He always looks better when Willow Ann's beside him, doesn't he? Such a and um, I do want to say, just as she's coming, uh, just uh, this important word. As your district superintendent, I am so grateful for your vice chair, Tim Henry, and for your board here, your local board. Thank you for your leadership. Uh, this is not a day for us to, to review the details of all that is going on, uh, but it's been a season of transition, an extended one, and it has uh, not come without cost. And I'm very, very grateful for the faithfulness of your leaders who are shouldering that uh, with, uh, with great grace and great wisdom on behalf of you as a church family. It is my privilege uh, as your district superintendent as the, the little boy at Beulah Camp next door to your cottage, uh, uh, way, way back when, um, and uh, my hair was a little funnier then than it is now, I think, probably. Well, we won't comment about my hair, but um, I, I want you to know how much it means to me, personally, uh, to uh, represent our district family to express some words of appreciation and love for you both. John Simons, you are a living legend, but you don't like it when people say that. You don't get that. But you are without any doubt in the minds of any of us, one of the greatest leaders that the Atlantic District has ever had. And you know what they say, behind every great man is a surprised woman. So <laughs> there are some things that we have known to be true about you for a long time that we've seen to be true in this place over this past couple of years. Uh, you are an exceptional preacher, so much so that we hired you to work at the Bible College to train other preachers how to be preachers. And that worked out really, really well. You generated a generation of preachers uh, who are becoming some of the greatest preachers uh, of the kingdom across our country. And um, you're, just, you're just an exceptional craftsman of delivering the word. And you do it in a way that is anointed by the spirit, uh, but you are diligent in how you prepare every word and in how you deliver it. And we're grateful for that gift. We're grateful for what that has meant for the Crosspoint family, not just for those of us who've been able to gather, but in all the shifting restrictions of the pandemic, for those of us who sat in our living rooms at home, some maybe even today, we're grateful for how you have fed us and how you have challenged us. You're also somebody who is well-known and celebrated as having an incredible heart and effectiveness for evangelism. You love lost people. You just love them. You, you don't see their sin. You don't see uh, the things about them that might make it a little messy for them to come alongside a church family. You just, 
You just love them. And God uses that bridge from your heart to people in such powerful ways to bring people to him. And you know what? That has been contagious for us. That has been so contagious. We, we long to be like you because of that. Uh, but we also do our best. And then God uses us and we kind of get surprised. We go, hey, I can, I can be like John Simons too. And then it keeps spreading. But I want to add something particularly that I have seen over this past couple of years in all the ways that I have looked up to you and admired you as a leader in our midst. You are a man over and over again over these past couple of years who could be trusted to care deeply about the things that matter most to the heart of God. John, you are a man of conviction who does not lighten the foot of your leadership and influence on the pedal of what matters to God in the kingdom. You speak truth with conviction privately and publicly, and you are a watchman over the family of God that is worthy and has proven worthy and can be trusted. And I trust you. And I thank you for being a man that I can deeply respect. And it's my great, great pleasure on behalf of our district family to give you this. I'll give it to Willow Ann to make sure that she cares for the, there's a little note in there, but there's another little piece of paper we don't want to go missing that expresses in a tangible way our love and appreciation for you. And um, John, I just want to say, I know this has been a really challenging couple of years. And I'm really, thankful for who you have been as a shepherd to this flock. Will you join me in thanking this man? I'm going to ask if you just stay just for a moment, just for a moment. Um, I'm going to ask uh, if, if you would do this, if you would extend a hand out in prayer. Like, we're not going all Pentecostal here, so relax, okay? Although, what would be wrong with that if we did, amen? That'd be kind of fun some Sunday. You never know. But uh, let's extend a hand out to this kingdom couple that we love and esteem so much, thanking God for them and praying God's blessing over this next season of their lives. Father in heaven, we sense your presence here today through your spirit. Jesus, we're so grateful that you died for our sin and that we get to be a part of a plan that shares the truth we've received from others with others who need that truth. And we don't put our faith in ourselves, but we put our faith and our trust in you. And, and we thank you for your incredible provision for our Crosspoint family, especially over these past couple of years as you invited John and Willow Ann to sacrificially commit to guiding and leading us through a season they could never have been predicted would have had, uh, could have predicted would have the challenges that it has had. And so, Lord, we lift them up to you, and we pray that this next season of their life would not only be a season of happy reflection on all the ways that you have blessed and continue to bless their ministry, but, but that it would be a season of fulfillment for them and a season of new ways of fruitfulness in your kingdom expression through their lives. Lord, we're excited about Tim and Gala coming 
Tim's starting next week, and all that that is going to mean for this next chapter of Crosspoint's history. We thank you for our board and all those who share leadership in so many ways through the church. And we just pray your blessing on this man and this woman of God who have led us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.